0: Learn more at marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from ACAST. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two Footed Podcast is brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, while keeping your data safe. So as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five star ratings across the board. So go to LibertyShield.com right now, use the code EPL25 and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries, on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Two-Footed Podcast. Today is Monday. It's the 8th of May. To those of you in the UK celebrating your bank holiday for the coronation, hope you're having a nice day. The weather seems a bit mixed, but, you know, have fun. Enjoy yourselves. Uh, For those of you elsewhere, I hope you all had a nice weekend. We had seven games in the Premier League over the weekend. We'll start Saturday. With Bournemouth 1, Chelsea 3, this looked like it was going to be yet another affair where Chelsea just couldn't get more than a goal. Conor Gallagher put them up one up on nine minutes. It's a nicely worked move. It's a good header. It's a good goal. But Bournemouth bounced back on 21. Really nice move. Ends with Matthias vigne curling a right-footed shot into the top corner. And Bournemouth had the better of the play for much of the first half, created the better chances. But in the second half, Chelsea were the better team. And it took until the eighty-second minute. Free kick flighted into the box. And Benoit Badiashile gets on the end of it and finishes. I thought Neto maybe could have done a bit better. The shot was straight at him. But it was for very close range, and he Badi Shillie did make pretty good contact with the ball. Badi Shillie actually had a very, very good game in this one. Uh, Chelsea went 3-1 up on 86 minutes. Really good work from Raheem Sterling, breaking into the box, feeding Joe Felix, and a really good first-time finish. So a good win for Chelsea, a win they've desperately needed. It it had gotten a bit embarrassing for everybody. Uh, that moves Chelsea to 42 points, so we can now confirm that Chelsea will be in the Premier League next season. Uh, it took them to match week 34 to confirm their survival. But credit to Lampard, credit to the players. They got the win they set out to get. Golo Kante was key, as he often is. And Chelsea have four games left. Four games within which they must salvage at least... At least some pride from the season, because it has been a disaster. There's no way around it. It's been a circus and a mess. But if they could end the season on a bit of a winning run or in, you know, something resembling half decent form, then they'd have something to take into the summer. And for Lampard, he'd have something to show when it comes time for him to apply for another job. Because I think from now on, he's going to have to apply. I don't think people will be knocking on his door. After what happened at Everton and what ha- what's happened here at Chelsea, I don't think it's going to be a case where clubs think, oh, you know who'd be great is Frank Lampard. I think he'll have to sell himself. The name recognition, the brand recognition has worn off. So their run in is Forest at home, City away. They probably split those Beach Forest, lose to City. And then the last two, United away, Newcastle at home. All of a sudden look like more difficult games for United and Newcastle. Both because Chelsea have rediscovered how to potentially score goals and because United are in poor form at the moment and Newcastle may be starting to look a little bit rocky. Maybe. Not saying they are, but maybe. Something to keep an eye on. And there's also a lot of players at Chelsea who are playing for their futures. Because we know there's a big fire sale coming up this summer as they try to get their books in order. And there are players there who are under threat of being shipped out the door who might want to stay. So potentially Chelsea could play a massive role in the relegation battle, the title, and the top four battle. Like I said, I expect them now to beat Forrest. I think they'll lose to City. I just don't see how they can match up with City. And then you have United away, which they could easily go and spoil the day if United and take a point. And Newcastle at home. Last day of the season, Toon haven't been as good at home as they are away. And Arsenal might have set a bit of a blueprint in the way they frustrated Newcastle for how teams can go about taking on Eddie Howe's men. For Bournemouth, look, they had secured survival. They don't need to concern themselves with anything else. Technically, they could still go down, but I don't think anyone expects that they will. They're 14th. They have four games left. Sorry, three games left, I should say. Away to Crystal Palace. Home to Manchester United. And away to Everton. So again, like Chelsea they could play a part in the race for top four and the relegation battle. So their games aren't meaningless. Now, they might see them as meaningless. They might not put you know, their best foot forward. But I think Gary O'Neill will want to get as many points as possible because I still think there's a lot of doubts over whether he's the right fit long term. The owners took over in January. He wasn't their appointment, really. He was just the guy who was there as interim or caretaker and they went with him but it wouldn't be outside the realms of possibility that they might be looking at a change this summer so he'll want to give a really good final impression on the season. Moving on to our next game from the weekend Man City 2 leads 1 Sam Allardyce said, "If you stop Hurling Haaland, you can stop City. If you stop the supply to Haaland, you'll stop him. We have a plan. Yada yada yada." And in being so focused on Erling Haaland, Ilkay Gundogan scored on 19 minutes and then scored again on 27 minutes. Both goals from pretty much the same spot, put into different corners. Very much Ilkay Gundogan type goals. Really good finishes. Notable from Sam that his. Big change in the team was to drop Ilan Mellier. Played Joel Robles, and it almost worked out. Now, City, it felt like, could easily just have gone up through the gears at any point. So it didn't feel like they were under threat in this game. Once they were two up, they just sort of coasted through the rest of the game, conserving energy. They've got a big week coming up with Real Madrid in the Champions League. But Rodrigo Moreno did get one back for Leeds in the 85th minute. Big mistake by Akanji, who's made quite a few mistakes this season and not been punished for them. But look, City rested a number of players in this game. Diaz didn't start. Kyle Walker didn't start. Rodri didn't start. Bernardo Silva didn't start. Jack Grealish didn't start. John Stones didn't start. So it's pretty clear that City saw this as a game that You know, they should win and they did win. So that's all that really matters. They are top of the league, one point ahead of Arsenal with the game in hand. And it's very hard to see how they don't win the league from here. Everton away, win. Chelsea home, win. At that point, they would only need one more win or two draws from Brighton and Brentford to secure the title. They do have the Champions League which will be a distraction, but they've got a strong squad. Everybody's fit. So the ball really is with City right now. For Leeds, it's getting critical. They currently sit 17th, but they've played a game more than both Everton and Nottingham Forest, both of whom played today, both of whom could overtake them with a win. Leeds have three games left. Newcastle, West Ham away, and Spurs at home in the final day. Now, that Newcastle game, I think, is a really tasty one. And we'll see how that plays out. But I do think that's a really tasty game. Because the two need to get six, possibly, definitely seven points from their remaining four games. And maybe that's a banana peel. If they get through that one, I think they will get top four. But maybe that one is one where they slip up. West Ham look like they should be safe now. So maybe they're not fully up for it. They'll also have a big focus on the Conference League. So maybe it's a rotated West Ham team to take on Leeds that day. And then Spurs at home. They're in with a fighting chance. I don't expect them to stay up at this point. But you just don't know. Saints look gone. The other four, really and truly, they all deserve to go down based on how they've performed. But any of them could stay up either. Moving on. Wolves won Aston Villa nil. This was a really good win for Wolves. Tony Gomes put them one up on... Nine minutes with a towering header. And that was all she wrote. Villa looked really leggy in this game. They didn't look like they had the same bite and fire as they've had over Unai Emery's time in charge. It was similar to the United game, but they just didn't look like they were going to score. It looked like they could have played for quite a while. Now Jose Sad did make one or two good saves, but it did sort of look like Villa had run out of ideas. Great win for Wolves. That gets them to 40. They're going to be in the division next year, so they'll be thrilled. They can just run out their last three games. They don't really need to worry too much. United away, Everton home, Arsenal away. Again, another team that's going to have involvement in the top four, relegation, and the title. But, look, they might just look at that Everton game at home and think, that's a home game, last home game of the season. We want to go out with a good performance for our fans, with a win for our fans. So potentially that's the one they really do turn up for. But could they play the role of spoilers at Old Trafford? It's very possible. Uh, For Villa, that's a blow in their push for a European spot. They're now three points behind Spurs with the same number of games played. They're a point behind Brighton and Brighton have three games in hand on them. So Brighton are in a really good position right now. But Brighton have a tough run in. Um, Villa's last three are tough. So Spurs up next. That's a huge game for that European spot. They also then go to Liverpool, who are in the Europa League spots and still have maybe a slight outside chance of a Champions League spot. And then Brighton, final day. So it's a really tough run in for Villa. Those last three games are really tough. And it'll be interesting to see how they perform. It would be an awful shame if they ended the season on, you know, five straight losses or even four out of five. So I think Emery will try and spend the next week kind of re energizing the squad and getting them back up for it. I think they can beat Spurs at home. I think they'll beat Spurs. I think they could lose. I think they will lose at Anfield. The last game may be a draw, but we'll see. Tottenham won, Crystal Palace nil. Spurs get a win. Harry Kane, of course, is the goal scorer. This was a really, really disappointing game of football. I thought this was going to be a good game. It really wasn't. Uh, Kane scores just on the stroke of half time. Good header from a Pedro Porro cross. A draw probably would have represented a fair result because Palace did play okay and had some decent chances. They actually would have had a really good chance when Will Staha tried to slip in Michael Alise. But Ebreu Chiesa got himself in the way and then hit a tame shot that didn't trouble the goalkeeper. Um, Spurs have put themselves back into a strong position for a European spot. They won't finish any higher than sixth. In all likelihood, they might finish below Brighton because Brighton are two points behind them with three games in hand. But they should finish above villa if they can get a result at villa park but they've got to get a result there. That game at villa park is the hardest of their three left. After that they get Brentford home. Brentford are pretty much on the beach and done for the season. And then leads away in the final day which will be tough enough but quality quality wise there's no there's no real conversation to be had. Spurs are a better team. I think if they want to have any chance of keeping Harry Kane they've they've got to win They've got to take four points from those games. And in in doing that, that should be enough to get them uh, a European spot for next season. Uh, for Palace, look, they're, they're safe. Roy was brought back in to get them safe. They don't have to worry about anything. Bournemouth at home, Fulham away, Forest at home. So they're going to have a big say in the relegation battle with that game against Forest on the final day. But they look at Bournemouth and they look at Fulham and think they're in the same situation as us. They're not going to do anything more. They're not getting into Europe. They're not going to get relegated. Perhaps they can win one. Perhaps they could win both. I I think Roy's done well since taking over. I really do. I, I, I think he's done well. I think it's a credit to him. I think Vieira would have kept them up. I just don't think it would have been as comfortable as it has been under Roy. Uh, moving on then, <clears throat> that was those were the three PM kickoffs on Saturday. The late kickoff on Saturday was Liverpool one, Brentford nil at Anfield. Mo Salah scored the only goal of the game. Liverpool were good value for the win. In truth, Brentford came really to play the role of spoilers, and Anthony Taylor was very favourable to them. There's not a whole lot to say about the game. Salah scored from. From a Van Dyke knockdown on 13 minutes. That's 30 goals for the season for him. He's, the guy is a machine. One off last season's pace, which is also a season before his pace. Uh, he'll end up with the same number of games played as well, which is 51. He is just, he is the greatest attacker, attacking player Liverpool have ever had. He is. He, he has, he has outdone. Leash, he's outdone Rush, he's outdone Hunt, he's outdone St. John, Keegan, name them. He's outdone them all. He is an absolute sensation. And Liverpool fans should appreciate him for every last minute that they have. Because at some point, hopefully not for many years, but at some point he will be gone and they will be looking back on them and thinking, geez, I wish I'd just appreciated him a little bit more. Even if they adored him, they'll think they should have appreciated him a little bit more because they should. He is incredible. Liverpool have given themselves a bit of a chance here for top four. Now, it's still very much an outside chance. They're one point behind United and three behind Newcastle. They have a considerably better goal difference than United, but a worse goal difference than Newcastle. Both Newcastle and United have games in hand. And both Newcastle and United have run-ins that should be favourable to them, but we will get to them. And maybe they're not as easy as we thought. Liverpool just have to win their last three games. That's it. That's the mission. Win your last three games. Leicester City away. Aston Villa at home. Southampton away. Leicester will be fighting for the lives. That's going to be a tough game. There's no two ways about it. That will be a tough game. But Villa at home, they should win. And Southampton Hampton away. <clears throat> Saints should be gone by that point. They, they should be confirmed relegated. They'll have nothing to play for. Liverpool should go there and win. If they do that, if they win those games, They'll end the season on 71 points. And given how poor they were for so much of the season, that's all that anybody can really ask of them, is that just that they win out. They don't really deserve top four, if we're being honest, based on the balance of the season. But then I don't think you can make a real argument that United do either. So... It comes down to these last few weeks. I I would put trust in Liverpool, given Allison, Virgil, Kanate, Robertson, Fabinho playing better, Trent playing the way he is, Mo Salah, and what he's done for the club. I would put trust in those players to get Liverpool to their potential maximum of seventy one. And we'll talk about United in a second. But I don't know that I put much trust in them. Um, Look, Brentford's season is done. It's wrapped. They're ninth. They're unlikely to finish any higher. They've got three games left. They've got West Ham at home next. I think they'll want to win that one because it's a London derby. Then they get Spurs away. And then it is uh, Man City at home. And by the time that city game comes around, I think City will have the title wrapped up. But we'll wait and see. Either way, Brentford and they're not getting into Europe. They're not going to finish in the bottom half. They're going to be comfortable in the top half, one way or another. Either, yeah, they're going to be they're going to be ninth. They are. They're going to be ninth in all likelihood. And that's a great result for them, based on the fact this is their second year in the league. It's an improvement on last year, where they finished thirteenth. They've already got four points more than they got last year, which is is a good return, Uh, especially when you consider that there was a real spell last season where it looked like they might go straight back down. This season, no such worries. They've proven really tough to beat. They've only lost nine games in the Premier League this season. Same as Liverpool, same as United. Only the top three have lost less games. Now, Brighton have also lost nine, but they've only played thirty two games, Brentford have played thirty five, so you know, that's an advantage for Brentford. Now the, their issue has been finding other goal scorers other than Ivan Tony, but I do think next season we'll see a lot more Keen Lewis Potter, we'll see a lot more Kevin Shade, and I think there's goals in those two boys. If if Tony stays, I think that's the front three next season. Lewis Potter one side, Shadow the other, Tony through the middle, and I think there's a lot of goals in that three up. So, I think Brentford have a lot to be hopeful for. They've also got an in house, hopefully, upgrade in midfield because I think Damsgaard can be better next season. Norgaard will be there. And then you've got Jensen, Janelt, and a couple of others for that other position. I think the area for them to strengthen this summer is going to be a centre back. They might have to replace David Rea. And then I think they'll be good to go. I really do. Uh, keeping Tony will be key. And that might be just a step beyond what they're capable of because. I think big clubs will come in, but a lot will depend on that ban. Now, if he gets banned, they'll have to find someone to fill in while he's out. That will be a a big test of their recruitment. But if he does get the ban, maybe other clubs put off trying to buy him until next summer. Uh, moving on then to Sunday's action, we had two games yesterday: Newcastle nil, Arsenal two not their best performance of the season but this is Arsenal's best win of the season Newcastle started really quickly and looked like they might pull Arsenal asunder looked like they'd gotten a penalty but it was overturned by VAR and that did hit Newcastle hard I think there was that gap in play gave Arsenal a breeder took some of the momentum out of Newcastle and then Martin Odegaard scored really quickly afterwards. This guy, he has been so, so good this season. Absolutely a contender for footballer of the year. He's nailed on for team of the year. And I want to talk about team of the year in a bit. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty settled on nine players in my team of the year. Um, but every time Arsenal need a lift, it's this guy who turns up. And he's not the most vocal of captains, but he is a real captain. He does set the standards and lead by example. When they need someone to lift the team up, it's nine times out of ten, it's him. It's been so impressive to watch him this year. It's been great to see him finally realise all that talent that made him the biggest thing going when he was sort of doing his tour of Europe and training at all the different top clubs before he made the move to Real, which you know I think in hindsight everybody would agree was a mistake. Um, he's 24 years of age now, so he's just about entering his prime. But I bet he wishes he could have those Real years back. Now, he learned a lot, and he had a couple of really good loan spells. He did really well at Vietas Arnhem, really well at Real Sauciedad. but I do wonder if he could go back, would he make a different move? Now, This path has obviously led him to where he is. It's led him to Arsenal. It's led him to be captain of the club and and challenging for the title. But, you know, it's just a shame he lost a few years. But great to see him performing the way he is. What a player. Tremendous. So the Gunners, I thought they'd lose this game. I said it all week. I thought they'd lose. But great, great win. Big, big cojones in this game from Arsenal. Fabian our own goal made it two, and Newcastle, for all their huffing and puffing, they didn't really ever look like they might win the game or get back into it. Now, couple of things here. I thought Eddie Howe got his team selection wrong. I I think he should have gone with one up top and two pacey wide players. Jacob Murphy's done okay for them this year. He's not. He's not this level of player. He just isn't. Um. They had Almiron, sit Maximum and Gordon on the bench. I think he probably should have started Almiron and sit Maximum. I think those two either side of, of Isak in the form Isak is in would have been very problematic for Arsenal. Instead, he shoved Isak onto the left wing and I, I just thought that was a mistake. Um, he came out after the game though and he complained about Arsenal kind of slowing the game and breaking up the flow of the game and... Frankly, all I could do was laugh because that's all Newcastle have done all season is just break up the flow of games and minimise how often the ball is in play. Uh, his Newcastle team average the least amount of ball in play across the season and he tried to push back against it, but those are just the facts, Eddie, and there's no point in you really denying them. Um, Arsenal, one point behind City, but City do have the game in hand which gives them a big advantage. Arsenal's next game is is Brighton at home. Then they go to Forest and then they get Wolves at home. I would have them taking seven points from those games, which will have them finishing on 88 points, which is an incredible return. They are best in the Premier League era. They're best in the Premier League era. But I think City take 10 points from their last four games, which will mean that City finish on 92 points. So yeah, I think they win the league. I I thought it would be seven because I thought they'd lose to to Newcastle. I now think it will be four. They've got the goal difference advantage as well, which is massive and it's a significant advantage. It's plus 14 goals. Uh, For the Toon, I still think they'll get top four and I think they deserve top four over the balance of the season. But that new, that that Leeds game is difficult. Brighton will be difficult. It's a Thursday night game as well. So it's a little, little bit of a weird one. Then Leicester on a Monday night. Leicester will be fighting for everything. And then they've got to go to Chelsea. Now in all likelihood, six points gets them top four. If they get 6 points, that will put them on 71. They've got a 7 goal advantage over Liverpool. So, unless they were to lose too heavily, which I don't see happening, Newcastle could be or should be confident that a top 4 place is imminent. Plus 32 goal difference, which is massive as well. You can look back over the last 35 years of the big five leagues. Plus 30 in the goal difference column is pretty much guaranteed top four football. The only two teams in the last 35 years who finished with plus 30 and didn't get a top four finish in those top five leagues... Are Fiorentina back in oh five oh six Syria or oh six oh seven? Let me just check that league table. 06, 07, plus 31 for Fiorentina that season. The reason they didn't get top four is they were docked 15 points for Calciapoli. So that's the only reason they missed out. Otherwise, they would have finished third in the league that season. And the other one was in the Premier League, not all that long ago I think we're going back to I want to say the 1819 season no what season was this at all or was it 1819 this must make great radio sorry <clears throat> it was 1617 Arsenal finished a plus 33 but the four teams above them Chelsea Tottenham City and Liverpool also hit the plus 30 mark and also and all had better goal differences than Arsenal plus 36 for Liverpool plus 41 for City plus 60 for Spurs and plus 52 for Antonio Conte's Chelsea team that won the league so really and truly, that is a really good marker, a really good benchmark to set yourself at the start of the season, if you're a top four challenging team. If you get to plus 30, you'll almost certainly be in. The maths has worked pretty much every year for the last, well, every year for the last 35, except in those two freak incidents. The only season in any of the leagues where five teams have finished at plus 30 and Fiorentina getting deducted 15 points for Calciapoli. Um... So yeah, so right now Newcastle are plus 32. That's the that's the main reason I think they'll get in. The other team in the mix here though is Manchester United. And yesterday they lost 1-0 away to West Ham. Saeed Ben Rama on 27 minutes. A howler from David De Gea. An absolute howler. United were poor. They looked leggy. They looked like they were clueless in attack. The goals have dried up in recent weeks. Rashford's hot spell has come to an end. Bruno Fernandez is looking very leggy in in his recent performances and looks like a guy that's running on fumes. Obviously, playing left wing yesterday didn't really help. Vague horse is a ten. It is not an experiment that's working. I think Bruno's been running to the ground a bit this season. He had to carry Cristiano, if you remember, for the first three months. He had to carry him last season in terms of doing all the legwork in behind him. So I think he's feeling the effects of that now. United have, on paper, a favourable running. Now, for them to be certain of top four, they need three more wins. They need nine points from their four remaining games. And on paper, you'd say they should actually win all four. Home to Wolves, away to Bournemouth, home to Chelsea, home to Fulham. But if you're struggling to score goals and your goalkeeper's in poor form, it can make things quite complicated for them. Now I would expect them to beat Wolves but I wouldn't be hugely surprised if Wolves went there and and got a draw. I would expect them to beat Bournemouth away but again I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. Their away form has been atrocious this season. They are relying so heavily on their home form. Now they're fortunate in that three of their last four games are at home but they may well need to go and win at Bournemouth. They've only won, sorry, they've lost eight games away from home this season, which really is not good enough for a team that cost what that team cost, for a manager that's getting the praise that that manager is getting. If you look at their away results this season, they got hammered by Brentford, they beat Southampton, very fortunate. Completely outplayed in the game. Scored against the run of play by Bruno Fernandes. But Southampton are going down. They beat Leicester. Leicester could potentially go down. They got a goal and kind of clung on for the win. If you remember that game. City beat them 6-3. They beat Everton. Potentially going down. They drew a Chelsea last-minute goal by Casemiro. They lost at Aston Villa. They beat Fulham 2-1. Late, late, late Garnacho goal. A game largely forgotten because that's the night Cristiano spat the dummy on television with Piers Morgan. They beat Wolves. At the time, Wolves were dreadful. They drew at Crystal Palace. They lost to Arsenal. They beat Leeds, potentially going down. They got beaten 7-0 by Liverpool. They got absolutely taunted by Newcastle, but the game only ended 2-0. They beat Forrest. They drew at Spurs. They've lost to Brighton and West Ham. So their away wins, Southampton, Leicester, Everton, Fulham, Wolves, Leeds, Forrest. I would say Fulham, comfortably the most impressive of those. Comfortably. But it took a late, late goal for them to win that game. So I don't know that I'd be certain about them going to Bournemouth and winning. Then they go back home and they get Chelsea and Fulham. And like I said, Lampard, Lampard is trying to audition for other jobs now. Players are fighting for their future. We might see a more aggressive Chelsea in these last couple of games. And then the final day is Fulham. Now they should beat Fulham at home. Fulham are on the beach. But Fulham did cause Liverpool some problems. At Anfield. And Mitrovic will be back for that game. And that's the stadium. Where he got his red card. And got his long ban. And I do wonder if maybe. Maybe Fulham might be just. A little bit inspired. By what they view. As a major wrong. That was perpetrated against them. So maybe. There's a result for Fulham there. And remember. United could go unbeaten, win two and draw two and potentially lose out on goal difference to Liverpool. Would it be a surprise if they won two and drew two? Does this team scream of a team capable of knocking off four wins in a row? They've done it twice this season. But that was back when they looked better and they were fresher and Rashford was in outrageous form. For the second one, they won five in a row, actually, on that occasion. Rashford scored in four of them. Marcus Rashford has only scored one goal in the league since his brace against Leicester back in mid-February. And that was against Brentford over a month ago. Sorry, I'm wrong. He scored against Spurs. Two goals since mid-February. Two. Compared to the run he went on, where he scored in 9 of 10. That's got to be a bit of a concern for Ten Hag. There's no goals left in this team. Bruno Fernandes has one goal since early February in the league. Outside of them, who's scoring the goals? Anthony seems unlikely. Sancho seems very unlikely. Sancho's last goal was that Leicester game, last league goal, was that Leicester game. Anthony has one league goal since October. He scored against Arsenal, he scored against City, and he scored against Everton in consecutive games. And then he didn't score again in the league until the Forest game. Not a great bet to get you many more goals. Good win for West Ham, obviously. Big, big confidence booster for them. Pretty much ensures that they'll be in the division next season. Barring something bizarre happening, West Ham are now safe. But it's been a dreadful season. It's an embarrassment for them to be where they are. Huge game coming up midweek. They play AZ Alkmaar at home in the first leg of the Conference League semi-final. They will need a good performance and a good win in that one because their away form has been a little bit questionable. In the middle of those two Alkmaar games, they get Brentford away in the league. In all likelihood, we see a, a rotated Brentford. i sorry, a rotated West Ham for Brentford. Then they play Leeds. Then they play Leicester. So, huge say in the relegation battle coming up for West Ham. Could decide it either way. Again, if they get by Alkmaar, they'll have that Cup Final, the the Conference League Cup Final, to kind of occupy their minds, which maybe means they're not at full strength and not at full capacity and not at full concentration levels for those league games. But they've done enough now. They will be safe. We are... At a situation where... The title could still be won by two clubs. But City do have a a strong position. There are three teams who could get... The other Champions League spots. There are three teams who could get the other two European spots. Because Liverpool will get one. So Tottenham, Brighton and Villa competing for two spots. And at the bottom... I think we can say Southampton are down and be fairly confident in that assessment. And there's four clubs then battling for survival, for two survival spots. Leicester leads Forest and Everton. Now today, we have big, big games in the Premier League. Fulham-Leicester, obviously huge relegation implications there with Leicester. I think I picked a Fulham win on Friday. I can't actually remember. Uh, If not, I'm adjusting my pick to go to a Fulham win. They'll still be without Mitrovic. This is his last game of his ban. Pereira is out, Ream is out, and Curzau is out. But the rest are fit. Uh, Leicester have injury problems of their own. James Justin, Iheanacho, Vestegaard, Ryan Bertrand, and major doubts over Johnny Evans and Ricardo Pereira. So we'll see what happens with them. But I think I'm gonna go for a Fulham win. But look, a Leicester win wouldn't surprise me at all, because Fulham have lost seven of nine. So it is seven of nine. I think it's seven of nine, something along those lines. They're they're not in good form anyway, they're on the beach. Um but you never know. You know, they might just want to turn up and, and perform for their home fans on a Monday. Um that's the 3 pm kickoff, kicks off in a in exactly an hour from now. Then it's Brighton against Everton. Huge game for Everton, obviously, but Brighton are pushing for Europe. So I wouldn't fancy being Everton going into that one. And then the big one is the 8 pm kickoff. It's Forrest against Southampton. This is must win for both teams. But I think it's more important for Forrest. Because I think even if even if Southampton win, I still think Southampton go down. But if Forrest win, that pushes them to 33 points. If Everton lose, they'll have a four-point advantage on Everton with three games left. And given Everton's form and one of their games is City, that might be insurmountable for Everton. It would put them three points ahead of Leeds. Leeds have a tough run in, as we know. So again, it could be the difference between going down and staying up. After this, Forest have Chelsea, Arsenal and Palace. That Palace game, maybe they can target to get something from. But Chelsea away and Arsenal home, I'm not expecting them to get much. Big, big day in the Premier League. Don't know if any of the games will be all that good, because I think there'll be a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety among the players, the fans. Relegation from this division is a massive, massive thing. The financial ramifications are huge and can be catastrophic. And for Leicester and Everton, they could be catastrophic because neither club is on a particularly good financial footing. Now, Leicester have less worries because their owners are at least flush and could pump more money back into the club. Their issues are more around compliance with the rules but Everton, I mean, they're, they're in dire straits financially. Stadium is way overrun its costs. They can't actually afford to finish it as things stand. It's still being worked on, but that work could come to a standstill if they can't find real investment to go into that stadium. They're also facing, remember, a points deduction. So that might be a thing that affects them. Not next season if they're relegated, but the following season if they come back up, they might come back up and have to start at minus six or minus nine or something like that. So, you know, it's, it's not a good time to be Everton, and I wouldn't fancy going to Brighton needing a win. Knowing that next up you've got City at home and are probably getting tonked. Then you've got to go to Wolves, who might just want to win that last game at home. For their fans. And then Bournemouth will be no pushover on the final day. So yeah, really, really tough path for Everton. If Sean Dyche gets them out of this, they need to give him a new long-term contract. I will take a break. When we come back, we'll recap some of the action in the lower leagues. And we'll have a look at some of the news. We'll do the gossip and we'll be done. About an hour 15, I'm reckoning today. So about 30 minutes when we come back. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, uh, no games in the Championship over the weekend. Those games are today, the final round, which sees Wigan, Rotherham, Millwall, Blackburn, Luton, Hull, Middlesbrough, Coventry, Preston, Sunderland, Huddersfield, Reading, Burnley, Cardiff, Birmingham, Sheffield, United, QPR, Bristol, Swansea, West Brom, Norwich, Blackpool and Watford, Stoke. All games kicking off at 3pm. Uh, We know Burnley are up as champions. Sheffield United are up as second. Luton will finish third. Middlesbrough will finish fourth. But there are still five teams who could get fifth and sixth. Coventry, Millwall, Sunderland, West Brom, and Blackburn Rovers. And that's all there is to really play for. The relegation is set. Reading are down. Blackpool are down. And Wigan are down. In League One, we had a full round of games. Final round, obviously. Lincoln 1, Shrewsbury 0. Fleetwood 2, Ipswich 2. Sheffield Wednesday 1, Derby 1. Port Vale 1, Plymouth Argyle 3. Portsmouth 2, Wickham 2. Barnsley 0, Peterborough 2. Oxford United 1, Accrington Stanley 2. Exeter 3, Morecambe 2. Cheltenham two, Charlton two, Bristol Rovers two, Bolton three, and Burton Albion nil MK Dons nil. And of course I've left the best for last Cambridge United two Forest Green Rovers nil. Yet another loss for Big Dunk. So we'll go over the record managerial career. At Forest Green, 18 matches played, 1 win, 3 draws, and th- 14 defeats. A 5.56% win rate. For the career, 23 games, 2 wins, 6 draws, 15 defeats, and 8.7% win rate. Someone please sack this man And don't ever give him a job again. Plymouth are up. They are champions. And they arrived into Plymouth Harbour on yachts in what was quite the scene. Ipswich finished second. Promotion. Congrats to Kieran McKenna. Unbelievable job. The best attack in the league. The best defence in the league. 101 goals scored. Only 35 conceded. Only lost four games all season. Drew too many. They drew 14, which is why they didn't run away with the league. But the season they put together was incredible. To only lose four of 46 is amazing. Sheffield Wednesday had an incredible season. 96 points. And in any other year, they'd be up automatically. But unfortunately, this year, it's the playoffs for them. And they will take on Peterborough, while Barnsley take on Bolton. So... The first leg will be Friday. The second leg will be... Sorry, the first leg of Peterborough-Sheffield Wednesday is Friday. The second leg is... Sorry, let me start it again. Peterborough versus Sheffield Wednesday. First leg is Friday. Second leg is the following Thursday. Bolton-Barnsley, first leg is Saturday. Second leg is the following Friday. There you go. I got there eventually. Uh, League 2. Games are ongoing as we speak. Sutton United, there's about five minutes left in these games. Sutton United won. Carlisle 0, Walsall 2, Doncaster 0, Leighton Orient 1, Bradford 1, Salford 0, Gillingham 1, Newport 1, Crew Alexandra 0, Barrow 0, Stevenage 1, Grimsby 1, AFC Wimbledon 0, Stockport 1, Hartlepool 1, Harrogate 1, Rochdale 1, Swindon 2, Crawley 1, Colchester nil, Mansfield Town 1. Tranmere nil, Northampton Town 1. And if we look at the table, right now, you've got Leighton Orient top and up as champions. Stevenage coming up automatically. Northampton coming up automatically. The playoff picture, Stockport currently 4th. Bradford 5th. Carlisle 6th and Salford 7th. So it would be Stockport, Salford and Bradford, Carlisle. If those games end the same way. Now, if Salford were to concede another goal and Mansfield were to score another goal. Then it would change and Mansfield would be in the playoffs and Salford would be out. So we'll see. We'll see. Actually, it'd be seventeen each, so it would go. Would it go to goals scored? If it goes to goals scored, it would be level. If it goes to goals conceded, it would be level, <clears throat> and then I am not sure what happens. Is it head to head after that? I don't know how their games went this season. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, there is still a lot to play for there with five minutes and and stoppage time remaining. Uh, in the national league, we had the playoff semi-finals. Notts County 3, Borhamwood 2, Chesterfield 3, Bromley 2. Two exciting games. It has worked out the way it should have. The teams that finished second and third are in the playoff final. Notts County have had an unbelievable season. They got 170 points, sorry, 107 points from 46 games. Only lost three games all season. 117 goals scored, 42 conceded. Unbelievable. Automatic promotion in any other year. They deserve to come up, but I really hope they do come up. Uh, we'll move on to bits of news here. Uh, there's a really good piece by Simon Stone on Sir Alex Ferguson's departure from Manchester United. Today marks 10 years since his retirement was confirmed. We all knew he was going at the end of that season. But that was the day of the official announcement. So... Um, BBC have put together here, a uh, pick your Sir Alex Ferguson, Manchester United eleven. So this is something that we'll do now. Uh We're going to select a formation of four four two. The goalkeeper, Barthez, De Gea, Schmeichel and van der Sar. There's only two real options there. One is Schmeichel, one van der Sar. Both of them won a European Cup at United. I'm going to say, for me, that it's van der Sar. I think on balance, it's van der Sar. Some will disagree, and that's absolutely fine, but I'm going to go with van der Sar. Right-backs, Henningberg, Steve Bruce. Well, you're picking defenders, really. Uh, Sorry, Henningberg played a lot of right-back. Gary Neville, Dennis Irwin, Paul Parker. They're the options at right-back. I'm going to go for Irwin, because I think the two best full-backs that he had... Well, Paul Parker or Evra, Neville. Neville. It has to be Neville. In fairness, he wasn't the best player. He had a great career. He was part of all their success. So we'll go Neville, which makes Erwin an easy pick at left back. The two centre-backs, there's three options, and if you don't pick two of them, I I don't know what to say to you. Um, Nemanja Vidic and Japsdam are the two for me. I would have Gary Pallister as the third option there. But Neville, Stam, Vidic and Irwin, that is a ferocious defence. Right side of midfield, it's going to be Beckham. Middle of the park will be Keane and Paul Scholes. Left side, it has to be Ryan Giggs. Up front... There's so many options here: Burbatov Cantona, Cole, Hughes, mcclaire Van Nistelrooy, Cristiano, Rooney, Sheringham, Solskjaer, Tevez, Van Persie, and from back in the day, Norman Whiteside. But we're not going to we're not going to consider him. Um, it feels like Cantona has to be in, and I think the other striker has to be Cristiano because I think you have to get him in the team. It's harsh on Rooney. It's harsh on Van Nistelrooy. It's particularly harsh, I think, on Mark Hughes, who was great for United in the early days under Ferguson. But I'm going to go Cantona and Cristiano. Van der Sar, Neville, Stam, Vidic, Irwin, Beckham, Keane, Scholes, Giggs, Cantona and Cristiano. And I would fully support anyone picking Wayne Rooney. But I do think Cantona is one of the real defining players of Sir Alex Ferguson's time at Manchester United. And he is also probably the single biggest reason the dominance began when they bought him in from Leeds. He made such a seismic difference to them. I think he has to be in. And Cristiano, the best parts of his career were not spent at Manchester United, but his last two seasons there we're better than any season Rooney put together at United. So we're going to go with him. Um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that team, to be honest. I think that's a strong, balanced team with plenty of goals, plenty of grit. It's going to be great defensively. Um, David Beckham crossing for Cristiano to the head. There's a lot of goals straight away. Uh, there's also a really good piece on the BBC written by Tom English about Ange Postacoglu, um, Celtic confirmed as league champions north of the border. I had wanted them to hold out and win it next week at Ibrox, but you know, getting to ruin the coronation uh, for all the Rangers fans is, is is payment enough for me. Make sure you're checking out the Boise bus, part of the EP, EPL Index podcast network. Um, I guess we'll just do the gossip then and we'll be done. There's not actually as much as I thought to get through other than that. So, West Ham will demand 100 million for Declan Rice. Declan Rice had his third good game in four months yesterday. Played well, um, but 100 million is laughable for him. Good player, not a great player. And the reason I know people don't watch Declan Rice and just go on reputation and the odd time they see him on Sky is when they tell me he'd fit really well as a defensive midfielder. Because he's not a defensive midfielder. He's a box-to-box midfielder. He's a good box-to-box midfielder. He's a better version of Jordan Henderson. That's what he is. He's a better version of Henderson. He's a poor man's young Roy Keane. That box-to-box player. But that's what he is. Um, West Ham are monitoring Calvin Phillips, whose Man City future appears uncertain. Chelsea are exploring a move for Latour Martinez. I think he'd be a pretty poor fit at Chelsea, to be honest. Uh, Chelsea want to make Andre Onana their number one goalkeeper next season and remain confident of recruiting Maurizio Pochettino as manager. Onana would fit, and he'd bridge the gap to Slanina. He's a good goalkeeper. Julian Nagelsmann has held talks with Spurs about their vacant manager's job. I, I, I think that's the right job for him. I think he's the right manager for them. Nagelsmann wants clarity over some issues at Tottenham, including the position of Harry Kane. Um, Look, if Kane goes, you can't really blame him at this point. That's not a reason not to take that job, in my view. Because you're still going to have a lot of good players. And you'll have some money to spend. And if Kane goes, you'll have money to replace him. Now, replacing will be hard, but my first call would be Ivan Toney. Dusan Vlahovic would be another good fit there. Doesn't have Kane's link-up play, but in terms of his goal-scoring ins- instincts and movement in the box, quite similar. Um Borussia Dortmund, and England midfielder Jude Bellingham will sign a six-year contract at Real Madrid, which will make him the second-highest earner at the club after Eden Hazard. I don't believe that Eden Hazard is even the highest-paid player at the club, because when David Alba went there, he went there on more money than Eden Hazard, and you're not going to convince me at all that Benzema, Modric and Cruz aren't earning even more. Borussia Dortmund manager Edin Terzic says he has not heard from Bellingham about joining another club. I'd imagine Bellingham's entire focus is on the title race, though he had a bit of a stinker at the weekend. Dortmund won and won well and he scored, but he didn't play well at all. Mikel Arteta hopes Arsenal agree a new deal with William Saliba, who's soon to enter the last year of his contract. Dicey situation there, but he'd be He'd be well advised to stay. Liverpool and Paris Saint-Germain are interested in 21-year-old Portuguese defender Goncalo Inacio of Sporting Lisbon. I think he'd be great for Liverpool. I really do. Uh, Eric Ten Hag wants to sign 22-year-old Dutch defender Jeremy Frimpong from Bayer Leverkusen The summer. They do need a right-back. He's a very good right-back. He would actually improve Anthony massively because he is the type of fullback that Anthony needs, someone that will overlap a pace and combine with him. He's also the type of fullback Sancho needs. So in truth, the United need to find Frimpong and a left sided one if those are the plans to have them as the wingers. But then what do you do at Rashford? Play him through the middle, maybe? I don't know. Um Manchester United are not planning to sign Vootweghorst on a permanent deal. It hasn't really worked. He's not that level of player. Uh, he's he'd be a good player for a mid-table Premier League club. Croatian midfielder Luka Modric is set to extend his Barcelona contract until twenty twenty four. Man City are closing in on a deal for um, an AFC Wimbledon goalkeeper. Can't think of his name. Brits is his name. Um, Arsenal are tracking Dinamo Zagreb defender Joseph Sitalo. Don't know much about him at all. To be fair, Wolves are interested in a twenty-five million pound. Sorry, yeah, Wolves are interested in a twenty-five million pound deal for Coventry City striker Victor Gyorkez. York is the biggest miss that Brighton have had in recent years. I still, to this day, don't understand why they gave up on him so quickly because he'd be perfect in how they play right now. Like He would be perfect under De Zerby. Um He's definitely going to be in the Premier League next season, with or without Coventry, he's going to be in the league. Uh, Burnley and Leeds also believed to be tracking him. Leeds in particular have a definite need for number nine. West Ham want to sign both Calvin Phillips and Kyle Walker. I I have a tough time believing that Kyle Walker will leave City. Arsenal think they're well-placed to sign Declan Rice. The Arsenal are going to get Declan Rice. Unless Chelsea offer something silly, Arsenal are getting Declan Rice. Paris Saint-Germain forward Lionel Messi, who is, has been linked to a move to Saudi Arabian club Al-Halil, a deal that would see the departure of Nigerian striker Odion Nigallo, former Manchester United player. PSG want Messi to stay and have presented him with the best financial offer available from a Champions League club hard to know if that's true Uh, Bruno Guimara is set to sign a new contract at Newcastle which would make him the highest paid player in their history which is absolutely fair, he has been outrageously good this season Mason Mount is a key target for Liverpool that's just regurgitation of news from a month ago Juventus want to sign Mason Greenwood on loan from Manchester United I don't believe that to be true Alexis McAllister is keen on joining Liverpool. Um, I hope that's true. I think Alexis McAllister would be a very good get for Liverpool, but it's Wayne Visi, so I'll put it in the bin. Uh, Brazil winger Rafinha would consider leaving Barcelona this summer. Arsenal, Chelsea and Newcastle are all interested. Arsenal and Chelsea don't have a need for them. Arsenal need a backup to Saka. You don't pay 60 million for a backup winger. Chelsea, you have enough wingers. Just stop. Focus on the three things you need. Goalkeeper, ball winner, goal scorer. Newcastle would be a great fit. He'd be really good up there and they'd love him. Tottenham may have to pay Bayern Munich £10 million in compensation to secure Julian but I don't understand how that works. Bayern sacked him. He didn't quit. So how does that work? Xabi Alonso is Daniel Levy's top choice. I don't believe that to be true. Napoli are considering selling Kim Min-Jay if Manchester United are prepared to offer €60 million. Uh, His buyout clause is is less than that, so I don't think anything to do with that is true. Manchester City and Arsenal want Ishmael Beneser. He'd be a really good Gundogan replacement. He's not as attacking as Gundogan, but he could do all the on-ball and defensive stuff. But the off-ball getting into the box and finishing would be different for him, but he's a tremendous player. Uh, Marcel Sabitzer has yet to discuss his future with Bayern Munich manager Thomas Tuchel. Italy midfielder Marco Verratti has doubts about his future with PSG and is considering leaving. Did he not sign a new contract not all that long ago? Or was that just rumoured? Yeah, he signed a new contract in December up until 2026. Former Barcelona and Spain midfielder Andreas Iniesta is set to leave Japanese club Vissel Kobe this, or Kobe, Vissel Kobe this summer. Hands up if you were aware that Andreas Iniesta, or you might have been aware, but had you forgotten Andreas Iniesta was still playing? Because I genuinely had. And he's one of my favorite players from the last 20 years. But I had completely forgotten he was still an active player. He's been there six years, four and a half full seasons plus this season, playing between twenty five and thirty five games a season don't he he's played a lot less this season, but um yeah, I genuinely had completely forgotten he was still there. What a player, what an incredible player. Uh, Bournemouth and Columbia midfielder Jefferson Lerma is a target for West Ham Crystal Palace and Leicester Leicester might be going down so let's not worry about that Um West Ham they should get look younger than him but Palace I think he'd be a good fit uh, I think he stays at Bournemouth in truth. Former Barnsley and West Brom boss Valer- Valerian Ishmael is a contender to replace Chris Wilder at Watford Um I would run a mile if they offered me a job. Genuinely. If they offered me the manager's job, I'd run a mile. Because there's just no winning there. Unless you win the league, they're going to sack you at some point during the league. And even then, if you come up, they might sack you within five games of coming up. Or in the summer. Manchester City want to open new talks with James McAtee after he played a key role in Sheffield United's promotion while on loan. Really interested to see what they do with him next season because he's a very good player. And I think he might be Premier League ready but just not for them because there's there's being Premier League ready and then there's been, you know, title contender ready. I don't think he's title contender ready, but I definitely think he'll play in the Premier League next season. Barcelona are confident of finalising a deal for Ilkay Gundogan. He'll be a huge loss to City. He really will. He has been so impressive and so important for them since going there. And he's just so understated. He just goes about his business there's no fluff, there's no bluster, there's no fanciness about him. But you look at their title wins. 17, 18, 30 appearances. 18, 19, 31 appearances. 2021 20, 28 appearances, 13 goals. Robbed, robbed of Footballer of the Year. Robbed of it. Last season, 27 games, 8 goals. This season, 29 games, 6 goals. Look at the goals he got against Aston Villa as well. Title winner. He won them the title on that final day. He was their best player the year before. Just an absolutely outstanding player. Since he recovered from the injuries he suffered in the first season, he's just been magnificent for them. What a player. What did he cost them? 20 million? That's the best 20 million Man City have ever spent. What an absolutely outrageous player. So unfortunate that the back injury at Dortmund cost him the World Cup because Germany went on to win that World Cup, he would have been an important contributor and he would have made everybody around him better. He is the Thomas Muller of midfielders. He does everybody's thinking for him. He has no real athletic gifts. He's not quick. He's not big. He's not strong. He's just super intelligent and super technically gifted. He's a wonderful player. Does everybody's thinking, makes everybody around him better. Uh, Bernardo Silva is top of PSG's wish list as they look to rebuild. That would fly in the face of the younger French uh, mantra that we heard last week. Aston Villa are preparing a move to sign Dusan Vlahovic. So says Peter Rourke. So we'll put that straight in the bin. Um, Tottenham have asked Barcelona to name the price for Frank Kessie it Would be an awful signing for them. He's a good player, but they have that profile of midfielder over and over again. If you want to add a dynamic midfielder just bring back Endembele you've got him, you've got Basuma, you've got Benson Curry. you've got Heusberg, you've got Skip, you've got Winks, you've got Papi Matarsa. you don't need any more midfielders Uh, Liverpool have not made contact with Brighton over a move for 24-year-old Argentina midfielder Alexis McAllister, that's come from the Brighton side Um, Brighton are not going to say whether or not they have or hadn't had any contact with other clubs while they're still pushing for Europe so you know, I don't know what to make of it really. Uh Manchester United's protracted chase of Frankie <laughs> Frankie De Young. Looks like it's back on again. The guy spent all of last summer saying no. All of last summer. Aston Villa are willing to pay Fulham's sixty million asking price to sign Joe Polinia. This is Peter Rock again. Garbage. Utter oh, garbage. They've got Bubakar Kamara, who plays the same role. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang will leave Chelsea and wants to return to Barcelona again. Napoli president Aurelio De Laurentiis says the Serie A champions will not sell Victor Ossimian this summer. I told you that months ago. Portugal international Joe Sales agent met Barcelona about the club signing him on a season-long loan for next season. Um, yeah, I mean, he'd, he'd make sense. He'd be fit how they play. Certainly would. Uh, Manchester City will look at a move for Ryan Gravenberg. I just don't I think his agent is putting his name out there quite a bit. Roma have agreed a deal with Hossam Auer that will see him join from Leon on a Bosman Adam Lallana played a key role in convincing James Milner to join Brighton so that's who you have to blame Brighton fans again it's Peter Rourke so you know pinch of salt 2 plus 2 equals 46 in the world of Peter Rourke Um, Eden, Eden Hazard Intends to see out the final year of his contract at Real Madrid. Despite the 32-year-old struggling for first-team football at the Spanish club. So let's have a quick look at Mr Hazard's tenure at Real Madrid. So let's be clear. Eden Hazard in the Premier League was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. One of the best players in the league for most of his tenure. But he is held in a position that he does not belong in. He is held up like he is an all-time great. And he just isn't. He hasn't produced with his national team. And he's now been at Real Madrid four years. And I understand he's now 32. But he wasn't 32 when he joined. This is his Real Madrid career. Year one, 22, sorry, 22 appearances, 20 starts, 1,550 minutes, one goal, seven assists. Year two, 21 appearances, 10 starts, 900 minutes, four goals, one assist. Year three, 23 appearances, 10 starts, 900 minutes again, one goal, two assists. And this season, year four, nine appearances. 4 starts, 330 minutes, 1 goal and 2 assists. 4 seasons, 73 appearances, only 44 starts, only 3,680 minutes, 7 goals and 12 assists. They paid $100 million for him. That is one of the biggest flops of all time, without question. And last thing we've got is Brentford want to sign Liverpool and Republic of Ireland goalkeeper Cueveen Kelleher. I assume that would be in the case that David Rea leaves and he would be a good fit to be fair. So it's a deal that would make sense, I think, for all parties, Liverpool, Brentford and the player. And that is it. That's all I've got. We're at an hour and 12 minutes. So I was three minutes off when I said about an hour 15 today, but that's all I've got. I'm not here tomorrow got an appointment but back on Wednesday so take care of yourselves enjoy the games today championship will be well underway by the time you hear this could be over good games in the Premier League or at least important games in the Premier League uh Champions League tomorrow night let's just quickly before we go we'll get this to the hour 15 why not um Champions League tomorrow night because I won't be here to talk about it we have the first semi-final Real Madrid at home To Manchester City. City are on a 20-match unbeaten run. 17 wins, 3 draws. Real, very up and down. Very, very up and down. Beat Osasuna in the Copa del Rey final at the weekend, just to spoil the party. But before that, had lost two of their previous three league games. Lost away to Sociedad, lost away to Girona. They beat Almiri at home in between that. They haven't been overly impressive in La Liga. But they're Real Madrid. And when the Champions League nights come around, there's nobody who does it better than Real Madrid. I think they will beat City in Madrid, which will put it all on that second leg. Now, no away goals is obviously a big thing now. But I think Real will get a win tonight, tomorrow night at the Bernabeu. And send the game to Manchester with City playing from behind. But we'll see. We'll see. I wouldn't be at all surprised if City went in there and beat them. And likewise, I wouldn't be surprised if Real came to the Bernabeu then and beat them. Real Madrid are zombies. And until they're knocked out, until I know that they're dead, they will be my pick to win the Champions League this year. In the same way, Golden State will be my pick to win the NBA Finals. Until somebody knocks them out. And right now they're down 2-1 against the Lakers. But they're zombies. They've won it four times in the last eight years. So, And two of the years they didn't win it, they got to the finals. And the other two, everybody was injured. So I'm not writing them off. I'm not writing Real Madrid off. You can't bet against Benzema, Modric, Cruz. Never bet against that type of winning Now, winning know-how and Carlo Ancelotti, who is a warlock when it comes to the Champions League. So that's all I've got, folks. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.